All right, welcome back to the Whitetail Experience Podcast. This is your host, Byron Horton, and I'm putting this one out. I'm not sure if I'm going to push send on a Friday, but it is Friday when we are recording this. I hope this is putting out those those weekend good vibes. Happy Father's Day if you're out there, all those fathers that, that are listening to this podcast. You guys do a lot of work uh, that I just now I'm starting to realize. But we've got a podcast today that's kind of timely, very appropriate topic that actually comes in from... Um, our Patreon, and we had a gentleman write in, uh, Mr. Boss, and 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 ask, uh, what are your thoughts on trail cams? Never killed a buck from trail cams. Can you speak to trail cams? And obviously, it's mid June. Heck, it's late June. It's about to be the twentieth here soon. And so, I think uh, we've learned uh, a handful of things that I think the guy who is running all the uh, cams on public land or maybe small private land, real world maybe just getting into trail camming hardcore and, and could speak to this and, and share my thoughts, opinions. I have killed, I think, three bucks in the last couple of years and, and had trail camera data on those things in one facet or another. And so I think that's worth mentioning. So I, I think that's, that's where we're going to steer this boat. If you guys are interested in joining Patreon, I do have, oh, some some more detailed podcasts on there because that audience is smaller uh, and I want to give back to that those people. Uh, also, we are doing a XOP Edge, the new plat- saddle platform. We are giving that thing away here in about mm, like eight days. So all you got to do is be a member there, and you will be entered to to win that prize. Also note, if you're picking up any custom gear, a couple of uh, things coming out for them down the pipe would be uh, the bow hanger, and that's that'll be a nice addition to the mobile hunting arsenal but enter code wexp at checkout save yourself a little coin boom so a rant of the day okay yeah we, we th- this is timely and dave's not here to do this his delivery is far better than mine but i think this is worth worth mentioning other hunting podcasts if you don't jump into deer talk in the f- first five minutes i'm out i'm done if you gotta do more than f- maybe one minute uh, of of reads i get it you got to pay the bills sometimes they're effective but after 60 seconds when it's slot number two on your eight minute read i'm done i'm over it i'm pushing that fast forward 30 second mark i think these companies you need to explain to them you're trying to get to the meat and potatoes i think as a podcast host you say i can bring up your name your sponsor in a better manner than just a basic read at the start of a podcast that's just how i feel about it I think it's it's more effective. I'm still going to buy a product that supports a brand X, um, but spouting out seven, eight minutes of a read that is literally coming from a script, I'm out. I'm bored. I'm over it. We're moving on. All right, so I, let, let's kind of look at uh, trail cams, and obviously it being mid-June, I think now is, a, is an appropriate time to, to be getting those cameras out if time allows. Uh, if you're busy right now, like myself, it looks like it's going to be an early Ju- July deployment, at least starting the process then. Heck, I probably won't get to some cams you know, until August or September. I'll probably start the season with a few cams here at the home front. Also mention, I'm not a cell cam guy. I just think they're too deadly in the right hands. And the fact now that we can buy them at $100 a pop, even though this is unpopular, we can now live stream the woods. And to me, they're just too deadly. That's my two cents. But moving on, and it is thunderstorming, so that is coming across the mic. I apologize. But I got to get this done. 
I would say the biggest thing we use trail cams for is proof of caliber, not necessarily targeting an individual deer or, or anything uh, like hunting pressure, but we are looking for, is there a quality of buck living on a piece of public or on your private farm that we'd like to shoot? And if there's one, great. If there's multiple, even better. We're not uh, traditionally hunting one particular deer. We're more just taking a batting percentage and, and hoping to kill a good one. Kind of rewinding some time, I, I got a buck on the wall that I had summer trail cam picks of. Seemed to be favoring southwest wind type locations. I, I do have a YouTube video where I mention this. I literally have a point scale that, that I apply to my buck pictures. And I give one point for nighttime, two point for daytime, and then three points for midday. Because I generally feel middays outside the normal protocol for a whitetail. Chances are he hasn't gone far. If he was bumped, he's clearly going somewhere he feels is a good location. So yeah, I like to give three points for that. Plus it's a, it's a daytime photo as well. Um, and I basically just kind of look for trends. I, I, I do throw those into an Excel spreadsheet and go to weather underground and look up past wind detail to see if I can spot a trend. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. But anyways, I ended up killing that deer during the rut. It was a Southwest wind. Now true. I did not think I was going in there particularly you know, specifically and said, Oh, he'll be here today. But it was funny that I ended up killing him and noticed that trend. Um, you know, that, that it was him and it, it happened on the, on that particular day. So he tended, uh, to favor that, uh, particular piece with that, that correlating win. Fast forward. Um, it is late. It is winter. I, I'm scouting. I deployed a camera, pulled it after season and, one really good buck, so there's proof of caliber, so I'm going to hunt this piece. This was a new piece of public land for me, and so boom, really good buck. I'd say upper 40s, but would have been easily in the 60s the following year. But then we noticed like the there was a decent amount of two-and-a-half-year-old hunter-and-inchers, those tweener bucks for us at least, you know. And this is a, we, we learned the lesson of paying attention to number of two-and-a-half-year-olds um, in a late-season type card pool. And sure enough, uh, the wide, wider rack buck, um, that's on the YouTube channel from a couple years back. Um, I ended up shooting him the following year, about 200 yards from where that trail cam showed him in January as a two and a half year old. He's probably 110, 115. And in fact, he, you know, I ended up shooting him and he's in the, the upper thirties now. So that, that was huge as far as proof of life and two and a half year olds, uh, something to key in on there. The third buck was this year's buck, or last season's buck, and that was just, you know, a a volume of good deer in a certain area. Uh, that camera was on a scrape. I noticed in the summer there was a few deer on a more regular basis, and there was like three shooters in the summer, uh, or maybe two, and then once season hit, there was a few more shooters that seemed to have showed up on that camera, and so... It was just a volume game. Like I had way more shooters on that cam than anywhere else. And on October 20th, I knew this information and I knew based on summer trail cam data and fall trail cam data, it seemed like all my morning pictures, these deer were heading into a certain location or in a general direction. So I'm like, well, clearly 
you know, these pictures, they're going to bed based on the times. Maybe they were slightly before sunrise or in the summer, I tended to get morning-ish pictures and they were all going away from the camera. So I felt like they got to be bedding somewhere away from that camera. Um, went in there for an evening hunt or whatever. And, uh, that scrape in particular wasn't opened up and I wasn't a hundred percent and that camera was elevated. And in fact, I didn't pull it. I think if I'd have pulled it and looked through a card reader, I might've sat there just based on the, the, but, uh, I ended up hunting a scrape about a hundred yards away and the buck I was after, um, didn't show, but one of the other shooters that was on the trail cam that I knew about from the fall pool, well, came by and and I was more than happy to take him. So those are just like three quick hitter lessons and then literally applied it to hunting and and, and have helped me. And it's not like I trail cameraed the crap out of an area and had this buck, you know, curly and pegged down, but it was just applying and then hunting and scouting and going through the process, if you will. Uh, I think the TV shows and, and, and they've really, some guys can use them and really pattern a deer. I'm not, I, I don't think to that skill set yet, but, uh, it gives me that proof of life that I really am, am looking for. So I thought I've got notes here and I thought it'd be cool to kind of look at some high level thoughts around these and, and, uh, obviously looking back at those lessons and, and things that I just mentioned from like real world examples is, you know, Best thing, proof of caliber. And on a new piece, or if you guys are tackling a new piece or debating between a handful of pieces, you need to know that that caliber can exist there. I would say another thing is if you get a trail cam picture of a buck, especially during season, that's like motivation to keep hunting hard, to keep scouting. It's It keeps you going. Um, you know, I, I think that's an important factor there. The, the ability to collect as many shooters as possible is is something that we've noticed some years i will run cameras and i think uh, i was a little bit panicked going into season last year i think in early september i know we're a bunch of 110 120s or where but i didn't have kind of that second tier buck that i'm kind of looking for and and so you know it, it's one of those things that i i've really kind of rely on some of these now that I have a small arsenal. Oh, I do want to steer that. So I, yeah, I should mention this. I personally have about 20-ish camps. Um, true, four of those are still out. And that's strictly because I couldn't get to them during season. I was hunting another state. Alonzo got sick in the fall and wasn't hunting hardly at all. So he couldn't be helping me because we tend to hunt some similar places and he couldn't help me pull cards. Dave was kind of dialed in after the midpoint of October and he helped me early October where I had cams out for the team. But, but you know, at that point he was dialed in on where he was going and what he was doing. And I will say this, Dave was a little bit later adapter to purchasing trail cams and rewind a few years ago season was going on and I had 11 or 12 cams and Zoe had about seven and we knew where way more bucks were. We just, we knew we, we had proof of life. We had uh, done our homework and he only had about three or four cameras and, you know, maybe only two to three of those were in the woods at a time. And so he's kind of come around on, on, okay, having a, a good amount of trail cams does help. 
Um, and having buddies is super nice. Or if you're hunting a similar piece or uh, you have access to a farm and, and a good hunting partner, the fact that they can pull that camera when you guys both think it's appropriate, it, it, that information can then help you. And it's a little bit less work on, on you because you don't have to drive to these locations um, and if they're already hunting and maybe you had family stuff going on, you can still get that information, but, um, it's gotta be somebody you trust. That's for damn sure. Let's see here. What else? You know, I feel like 20 is a high number and Dave mentions to me, well, you can't run all those cams at the same time. And he's, he's not wrong. Uh, clearly I still have four cameras out, but this allows me to always have a camera to deploy if I find something. It allows me to put a camera in what I call like a B minus location that maybe does reveal some good information. So having some burner type cameras, and I think those cameras can be uh, on the budgetier side of things. As far as quality is concerned, I, I really like a 70 to $100 camera. And nothing against the Tasco, I think those are great, but I get a little frustrated even at, at say my muddy camera that, that, you know, won my, um, budget camera video on YouTube, um, where, you know, it came down to a browning, a muddy, and what was the other one? Oh, a covert. And the covert kind of got bounced because its video quality wasn't to the level of the others, even though it's nighttime photos were pretty good. But, you know, that muddy does struggle at night and occasionally it's a little frustrating when you go to pull that card. And I know these cheaper cameras, they just don't have as much nighttime performance and uh, let's be honest that's when a lot of these deer tend to move something else I, I I really don't hear mentioned on a podcast which is very odd and I wish somebody would have told me this dude if you get a nighttime photo of a deer I almost add 10 inches every time Justin Hollinsworth actually uh, on personal phone calls has told me this where he's like yeah this camera actually you kind of need to add 10 inches he says he has had some where, where it goes the other way, but he, I, I feel in general from my experience, take that nighttime photo and add 10 inches. I've seen it. I had a buck last year that I saw get posted on a forum group I had pictures of, and let's just say that deer grew 40 inches. And I've had multiple people look at the, the, the kill photo and my trail cam image and think the same thing maybe not 40 but like 20 25 easy all day um and we're talking jake hofer justin hollandsworth like quality guys that look at trail cam photos at a high level have both been like oh my gosh look at that daytime kill pick that deer's significantly bigger than your nighttime trail cam photo oh another mention for having multiple cameras continuing that topic or thought is i can replace some of my older cameras or my less reliable cameras where uh, I've, I've had some of these uh, Stealth Cam G30s for quite a few years, and they operate good, and they were a good price point performance uh, rewind five years ago. But now, now even that muddy camera probably takes better video, which is a nice tool. Um, and, and so I can kind of phase out some of those older cameras uh, because I buy those budgety performance level cams. I will say it's it's interesting on these podcasts and, and public land and, and stuff like that. Why does everyone, why is, uh, is volume shooting not talked about more? Because honestly, when you elevate a cam, you just have such a high failure rate. There have been times that we literally go 50, 50% where we'll get out, 
go pull four cameras, two of them failed, whether it be one got stolen, one had a leaf blow in front of it, or the, the trail cam mount failed us after a month and now it's facing the ground and you got nothing but raccoons. True story. Biggest deer we had on trail cam in either 2018 or 2019. Stud of a, a, of a 10. Um, 50s probably all day. Walking away from the camera. And we, we did notice on this trail cam there was a bunch of raccoons. And sometime the camera worked until picture of that buck was like opening weekend and then it was like the camera was facing the forest floor like october 5th october 5th worked fine the month of august september and started failing october 5th and we noticed a bunch of raccoons on the trail camera and then proceeding this straight down camera would catch occasional deer for sure but it's not at an effective detection zone angle that's a pretty scientific term for you guys but it's a you know, a bunch of raccoons after that, turkeys, but literally failing. And I don't know why these, you know, some of these podcasts, some of these TV shows don't don't talk about, like, I wish somebody would have told me that five, six years ago. Like, dude, put out 10 cams, you're going to have four of them fail. I, 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 that's a, And that's another reason to, that I stay in that budget price point. Uh, because if I step out that car, I can get more cameras out. Because um, just because you buy a trail cam, you still got to put... Oh, several dollars in batteries and SD cards and mounts. Um, that is a, a nice advantage to some of the cameras that have better mounting systems on them. I know the custom gear one, you, you, you know, you don't have to buy a mount because it's got that ball joint and it mounts downward and there's a few others out there as well. But yeah, I, I think, um, in general, oh, I got a note here, uh, on running these, these number of volume cameras. I generally will spread them out to a few pieces, um, and then I narrow in. Once I kind of uh, either find a buck, and he would have to be a, a big buck for me to really go all in. I don't, I don't love that approach for myself at this time in my bow hunting career. Or uh, one particular piece. Maybe I've, I've found enough shooters that, hey, I'm going to stick to this piece. I'm still going to scout you know, in and around this piece, but I, I think I'm going to float a couple cameras from spot A um, to, to spot B at this point. Um. So yeah, I generally narrow in. As far as summer trail cam locations, I like uh, creek crossings because it's kind of like a natural pinch. Um, you do get some false triggers if it rains hard, but uh, it's a natural crossing. It's easy to detect as far as like a narrow detection point. So you aim that thing pretty good. You're good to go. Obviously scrapes. Uh, I've seen enough value added, especially in the big woods type habitat and hill country that scrapes are, are still very valuable. Um, I should mention this. I'm done with the, the bean fields in farm country. I get way too many false, uh, triggers with the elevated set. I think that would change if I've kept those cameras low, but I'm just not willing to risk it at this point. And, and, and so, um, I have one other note here. Oh, natural big trails in the in in you know hill country, big woods, military crests where there's beat down trails. I don't think uh, you can necessarily go wrong. And some of these cameras that I'm going to put out here, um, July-ish, I might get some out this weekend. But July-ish through August, I may not pull until season has started. I'm not so much worried about velvety pictures and and stuff like that. I've had some deer stay, some deer go, but I want to know come September when I start in season scouting, these bucks have shed their velvet. What's going on? And so um, I think time away 
from wife or if somebody's got a, a pretty good day, you know, day job and, and their hunting location is farther away, I don't think it's necessarily worth the trip to uh, burn and, and get those those cameras in August because, you, you know, the SD card size and the battery life now is so good. Uh, in fact, I'm running uh, one of my cameras on a five-minute delay right now because I don't think I'm going to get to it until, um, oh, September. And so I don't really care. I'm trying to cut. I know I'm going to get some false triggers, the sunlight and, and stuff blowing in the summer. So I don't really care necessarily what's going on July, August, as far as buck pictures. But, you know, if it's on a scrape, so if a buck comes in and hits that, that scrape or licking branch in September, I want it to make sure it's got enough battery life to be operating in, in SD card space. So I put it on a five-minute delay, and I think I'm, I'm okay with that for, for my um, – long-term soakers. Now, I do like a multiple burst. I, I think uh, those bucks turning their heads allows you to judge them much better. Uh, Dave does the opposite as far as he likes a, a one to two shot burst and like a 15 second delay. And I, I've looked through too many blank pictures in my life uh, or twig pictures to, to do that at this point. As far as operating uh, trail cams during season and, and where I feel like they shine, it's like you know, they're scouting for me. And, you know, that's the way I look at them is, is they're like a, uh, they're a tool. They're not the be all end all, uh, but they can be in the woods 365. I cannot, I have a job and a family. So I really like the fact that you can either go for a bow hunt or a scout and be pulling that either after a hunt or maybe before, um, you know, if you're, you're driving down for a Saturday morning hunt, Hey, I'm going to pop in and pull this trail cam and maybe look through it. Maybe not. Um, bottom line, you can have that information, um, at your fingertips and you've got a two for one. If, even if you're like on a doe mission early, uh, early season on a Saturday, you're going to go to this Oak flat that's traditionally got does on it every, you know, every good Saturday more or every morning or whatever, but you could pop over and pull this scrape you know, it's early October. That's generally not a uh, high success time to hunt scrapes um, compared to late October. You pull that card, go hunt your uh, your, your oak flat, uh, maybe shoot a doe, whatever. But now you've got the information of, okay, it's October 5th. These bucks now are hard horned and they've been on this scrape. Well, come late October, now you've got some information to, to, to use against those things or those bucks. So yeah, it's a, it's a double dipper. You know, you can still physically scout walking around looking for rub scrapes, uh, parking lots, glassing. Anyways, you can you can do it all. And in fact, I I if if possible, I would like to deploy cameras early in the morning in the summer. And I love to be at those pieces at sunrise because then I get a double dip of road scouting or seeing deer cross roads in the dark. So I'm I'm all about that double dip type factor. Oh, I should mention this. You can actually pull. Uh, trail cameras in the dark. Now setting them up is a little trickier. I feel like I've had we've had more air setting them up, but pulling them, pull, just swapping SD cards if you're not going to like move the angle um, is possible. And I was I was doubtful because sometimes I feel like when you hunt trees, and uh, we've all been there where you're staring at your maps um, on your phone and you're like, yep, I'm at the tree stand location. The sun comes up and you're like ten yards off or maybe even more. Um, I feel that trail cams, because it's actually in the tree, it's a physical object you're looking for, is a little easier to find. And I will say this, that um, that reflective-ish 
lenses um, and glass on the trail cam and with a headlamp kind of shines or bounces back. You could pick them up. Uh, I will say that uh, easier than I anticipated. Last year was kind of the first year I was doing that on a more regular basis. I've done it in the past, but last year I was like, you know, I can't hunt before work today, but I can go pull two trail cameras at stupid hours in the morning or um, even in the evening after hunts. Uh, I, I would not hesitate now if you're going to be gone from an evening, right? Wife's the kids, uh, you don't have obligations back at home. Maybe even pull out from where you hunted, drive to a, a, a trail cam location, hike in and grab that thing. I wouldn't be, you know, you're already down there. You've burnt the gas. You, you need the time. It's only going to make you more effective on your next hunt, potentially. Um, I would not hesitate to go in and pull that thing in the dark and, and, and go about it that way. It does help if you know the exact scrape, the exact tree, and like I personally set them up versus me going to find a trail camera that Dave placed. Eh, that's not as as easy to do in the dark um, because those pins and, and make sure you are accurate with your pin location, um, especially if it's kind of a newer-ish area or, or a, a, a some sort of trail cam location that's new to you. I do think that your leaving ground scent, those deer definitely know you were in there, but some, I do feel the information you gather from them during season is, is worth it. Uh, I think at this point, I will say on my small family farm, I bring a leaf blower and run that thing while I'm checking trail cams during season and really even in the off season, um, because you know, it's louder than I am traditionally, uh, walking, I don't want to sneak up on any deer when I'm pulling that trail camera. I don't want to be like a predator type encounter with, with deer on my small piece. I, I want those deer to know I'm coming. They hear the, the leaf blower just like a four-wheeler. I just don't have one of those. And so they know I'm coming. And then when they return after I'm gone, they smell that gas um, and that exhaust. And, and they're like, okay, this guy was in here, but he wasn't sneaking around if you will, you know, his presence was known. Maybe that deer is bedded a hundred yards away. He, he or she heard the, the leaf blower or the four wheeler and like, okay, yeah, there's somebody over there. There's something going on over there. And then they smell it later. I'm, I, I guarantee you most deer, um, in the Midwest have smelled a, a four wheeler or a tractor or something like that leaving exhaust. But if, uh, I, I just feel that's a, a less intrusive type way. The e-bike's kind of interesting because I don't know, you know, if, if that's, you're, you're hardly leaving any ground scent whatsoever. Me carrying a leaf blower, I'm, I'm physically disturbing, uh, a lot of dirt, I feel like, or a lot of, you know, I'm walking down a path. I don't know. I'd be interested to somebody with an e-bike if they were like, yeah, you know, I noticed less, um, cause you got to get off the e-bike. You got to leave ground scent. You got to touch your camera. I got to believe you're still leaving some, but maybe the fact that your trail system is less polluted is a, is a better form of invasion. I don't know. It's worth a thought. Um, I have a note in here as far as I just need one photo. I think a couple of these bucks, it's like I'd get one photo a month or only one photo in general. That helps. I do get significantly more jacked if I get two occurrences. Ones could be kind of a fluke. And I'm talking off-season into October type type photos. Uh, clearly during the rut, all bets are off. Deer, you know, you can easily get one picture of a buck and he may not even be in the, the square mile uh, the rest of November. But um, I feel like off season, I get way more excited when I get two occurrences. Uh, I uh, Two really shows me that he's in there a lot or way more frequent than I, th than I bet us humans know. As far as you went into hunt, uh, a couple, let's call it 
50, 100 acres or whatever, and you only had two trail camera pictures in the last month, I, I do feel like you're in the, the game. I'd be curious to what you guys think on that. If, if you get one trail cam photo of a deer versus maybe two, how much do you really think that that's, that's a significant uh, piece of information over just one? I would have a note here that an area of an improvement and concentration of mine in the last year has been scouting easy trail cam locations. Uh, I think, um, you know, when I cannonballed into this thing, having an arsenal of trail cams, I just didn't have as much, oh, scrapes closer to the road. A good trail system that I know the bedding that's farther in, but I, I, this, this trail cam could probably capture a lot of those deer that's not as difficult to access or as intrusive to to access and get that information so something i have been con uh cautious of conscious conscious of while scouting the last couple off season is leaving notes and pins uh i think they're color coordinated even of easy summer and early fall trail cam locations uh, so i think that's worth mentioning there as far as late season i can't really speak to that that's not something i've been pushed to do i would love I, I definitely would call a few buddies if i still had a tag and ask them the, their tactics and thoughts i do have a kind of a faster hitting segment that i'd like to get into and this is just key lessons or gear um obviously we run these elevated sets just a high failure rate at, at some point and it's tough to find the perfect tree. In fact, I would argue I break more branches physically setting up trail cams than I do tree stand locations. Seems like I can shoot out of a tree much easier. And I'm not talking, I'm, uh, you know, blasting away a shooting lane for, for my trail cam. But yeah, I'll break some branches, especially getting them up there. I, I definitely, any overhangs that get blown in that, you know, as soon as the next windstorm kicks up, I want those out of the tree. Any sort of little twiggy guys, I, I'd like to move those as well. Oh, Cranfords. I wanted to mention these as a quick gear item. Those little rope steps or, or folding screw-ins. Those can be nice for trail cams because they put they can be put inside a, a backpack or fanny pack. And it's a way to get elevated. I will say the rope Cranford struggle on smaller trees just because you can't get the slack. Like I'm talking a baseball or softball sized tree. You can't get the slack out of the rope ones as well. Um, a stick actually works better in that case or the screw-ins if you're going that route. Uh, a double step clearly better than a single uh, stick or you know a double step stick is way better than a single step stick and that's just because you're working up there for a small amount of time getting that that camera elevated and angle right it's just uh, way better and I will say um, you got to get them up there because it seems like I will say this too I got a note here smaller trees Guys can bear hug those and, and physically get up them if they don't, you know, they got to do a couple pull-ups and some guys can't do that, but it's a lot easier to do pull-ups on a tree the size of a baseball or softball than it is, say, a big oak the size of a basketball, just because a hand strength comes out of that equation at that point. So we do get more trail cams stolen on smallerish trees. I do take my lineman's belt when I do trail cams. Not necessarily the whole harness. I used to do that, and then I got a little smarter. But a longer lineman's belt, that way, like if the tree's leaning into you, which makes it a much harder setup. Again, I've never heard anybody talk about this on podcasts or videos, and I don't know why. And it's um, take your lineman's belt, put it around your hips, you know, uh, right at belly button-ish level. And now you can lean out against that tree and use two hands to, to either, you know, put the, the, the mounting system or just work on the camera with two hands free and it's not so cumbersome to you're not bringing your whole harness you're literally just bringing a rope carabiner setup that goes around everything so that's definitely worth mentioning 
I will say I've got a video on our YouTube about the the different trail cam mounts. Stick and pick is by far the best, but it's kind of pricey. I'm not going to lie. The Hawk one seems to fail the most, and that's just because the tensioning knob that holds the camera upright falls over. Uh, in fact, that big buck, uh, yeah, that, that buck I told the story of 10, 15 minutes ago, that was a Hawk mount. HME, even though they're ugly, tend to function a little better. I do wish that their, uh, their driving thread system was sharper and easier to push into the tree. Uh, pro tip there is pull out your bow your bow hook if it's in your bag and start that as like a pilot hole like you would with like a drill screw setup but you can start it with a better uh, uh screw in thing and then go ahead and put her in there where legal oh right on the sd card the brand of camera that way you kind of uh those, those, those sd cards don't become corrupt i've never had that happen but i think that's a good practice to have right on the camera if it's shitty with a with some sort of sharpie i just pulled uh, my box of trail cams out dave has a note on there this could be shitty with a question mark. So clearly that trail camera, I need to test uh, a little heavier before deploying because that, that'd be a, such a waste of time, gas, energy, money. So definitely writing on those those cameras if they're they're questionable that you might want to test those because you won't remember if you, once you get up there in the, the quantity amounts. Oh, once trail cam season starts, this is a solid tip. This is Patreon level tip is leave a baggie or some sort of storage thing of 10 AA batteries and an SD card or two in your truck. Brand new one, not even out of the package because you are bound to be running trail cameras or hunting and need it. It hands down it happens every year. If you do this enough, you're going to forget X, Y, and Z. Oh, should mention this, if you're going to go run trail cams with a buddy, and Alonzo will laugh at this, we just did this, have him also bring trail cams because if if one fails, what if you forget your bag, just, yeah, when in doubt, bring more than what you really need. Oh, program cameras the night before. I think that's probably a pretty common practice. You're always uh, less likely to make errors where you're in a controlled environment in your house. You're not stressed. It's not you're not doing this in the dark with a headlamp. You're not doing it sweating your nuts off in the middle of the summer. So yeah, doing the the, the setup time date SD card function, uh, getting those batteries in there the night before, the week before. Just bottom line, they got to be ready to operate come the day of deployment. Uh, but that cuts down as as your ears. Uh, the information can, as far as weather, can be found on one Wonderground. Go to historical, punch in your zip. It'll get you the nearest city, and you can kind of look at historical data. Um, as far as file storage, I got I do, I do have a trick here, um, especially for you Mac guys. Um, anybody looking through an SD card on an Apple uh, Mac uh, type computer, when you see a shooter or a buck you want to log, you can color. Um, Go to options, label, or something like that, and you can label it as like orange is the color I use. So you go through your whole card, your 100 pictures, let's just call it for round number sake. You highlight six of those that are orange. This is the shooter box that you're going to want to put on your phone or put in a file. Now go to the top, hit sort by color. Now all your shooter bucks are the first six, seven pictures that, that you had in order. They're not in chronological order, so you don't got to go back and dig through them to find them, but then you can move those files into a, a, a folder on your computer. The other trick I like to do is I export them to my phone. I create an album on my phone. Uh, for example, my sp uh, small piece, it's called Horton Holler. So now I have a an album on my phone that I can quickly get to called Horton Holler, and I know that's just the trail cam pic. So I don't have to look through all my chronological photos on my iPhone um, that's a, a solid way to do it. You can even um, add a note to the photo as far as 
um, go to the edit area and then um, you can add text and so you can be like north wind on this buck you know you can leave uh, some little notes like that I will say too sometimes I, I I'm able to pull more detail out of a nighttime photo um, manipulating some of the photo settings in your iPhone, uh, whether it be exposure, highlights. You can you can sometimes play around and get a little more information, especially if that buck's out there at a distance and you, you kind of have some detail on his rack, but not a, a, all of it. So that, that, that can be done there. That's I think that's it. I think that's all I got for you guys. I, I wanted to get out a podcast. Um, this, again, came in from Patreon. And I do ask for, for topics and videos those guys want, but... I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, again, happy Father's Day. Also, I did take a, a poll on our Instagram, and I appreciate all the feedback I got on freeze-dried meals. Uh, a lot of guys recommending certain brands, certain experiences. I did go go creeping on a few of you guys. Made sure you, you'd done some out west trips or were hunting whitetails maybe in another state where I could see you actually using some stuff. So I did do a little recon after I got some suggestions. Made sure you guys were legit. But a lot of lot of good feedback there. I, I do appreciate anybody who gives me feedback. Um, I'm actually testing another budget camera as we speak. I got off Camo Fire. That's got a nice LCD screen. It's the uh, what is it? The Stealth Cam Preview 26 uh, TBD. But uh, I'm I'm gonna be testing that one. I like it more than my others just because it's got a nice LCD screen and you can like. Uh, you could scroll through photos it, literally on the camera. You didn't need an SD card reader. I should mention Apple SD card reader. Solid tip. Oh, here's your pro level tip. I'm not going to close out without telling you this because we've all been there. When you get back from a hunt and you go to put that SD card in the camera or you've got four or five SD cards to go through, man, the wife, girlfriend, or whatever is going to try to interrupt you. They are out there to sabotage that mission. And there is no worse feeling than like, you know, being ready to look through trail cams, you're all hyped up. But if you have the Apple SD card reader on your phone or uh, if you take your computer to the woods, you could do that. I, I get a little scared somebody's going to break into my vehicle one of these days. So I take the Apple SD card reader. Um, but you can flip through those photos before you drive home and then you're only showing up 10-ish minutes later than you would have. The wife doesn't know. She just thinks you've been gone. But if you came home and the first thing you do is say, hey, babe, I'm headed to the computer. I need 10 minutes to look through my trail cams. She's going to slap the hell out of you. There's no way that flies in my household. She hands me the baby or says you need to start cooking some dinner. Like there, There is never a more frustrating feeling than getting home and not being able to go through your trail cam cards. I will say... After you go through on the Apple card, because your screen's so small, it is worth putting in a bigger viewer of some sort. Maybe if your phone's big enough, you're fine. But I have I have noticed I've, I've missed, and it's just not as user-friendly. Um, but it is worth doing just to, just to ease your mind or whatever, um, especially during fall when, when you know sometimes you're home and your, your wife or f- says something to you and you're not thinking about that. You're looking at the weather on Wednesday that's going to switch winds and, and drop in temp and it's it's going to stop raining right at sunrise. All right, folks, that's all I got. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Team Harder and Bucks, we're out.